May 1991, Tokyo train station. Sony engineer Ken Kutaragi hurries through the ticket gate. The bullet train to Kyoto is already at the platform and he doesn't want to be late. In a few hours' time, he'll be meeting with Nintendo to finalize the imminent announcement of a new video game console called the PlayStation. The PlayStation is a console with a difference. Console games usually come on plug-in cartridges, but PlayStation games will be on compact discs. With their huge storage capacity, CD-ROMs promise a future where games will look, sound, and play a whole lot better. A future where video games become an entertainment medium to rival television, music, and film. It's a future Sony and Nintendo intend to own together with the PlayStation. Since 1989, Sony and Nintendo have been working on the PlayStation in secret. But now, the time has come to reveal the PlayStation to the world. In two days' time, the PlayStation is due to be announced at the Consumer Electronics Show in Chicago. All that is left is one last meeting to go over the details of the big moment. But before Kutaragi can climb onto the bullet train, he spots Sony's public relations director bounding towards him on the platform. He looks anxious. He brandishes a single-page internal memo in his hand. Kutaragi, look at this. It says Nintendo has torn up its deal with Sony. Apparently, they're working with Philips on a CD games console instead. What? How can that be? Kutaragi reads the memo in stunned silence as he boards the bullet train. The PlayStation is his baby. Kutaragi is only a mid-level manager with Sony. He's staked his whole career on its success. As the bullet train hurtles out of Tokyo, Kutaragi desperately makes phone call after phone call, trying to find out if this rumor is true. But no one knows. Three hours later, Kutaragi arrives at Nintendo's headquarters in Kyoto. He is shown a bare wood grain walled meeting room. The Nintendo team is already there waiting for him. The atmosphere in the room is tense. He's normally greeted warmly, but today he walks into frosty silence. Kutaragi immediately wants answers. So, are the rumors true? Are you working with Philips now? All eyes in the room fall on Nintendo of America's president, Minoru Arakawa. Arakawa doesn't like the spotlight, so he looks away for just a moment, and then looks back at Kutaragi before answering. Yes, it's true. But what about our deal? We will honor it. How? How can you honor our deal if you are working with Philips? Nintendo will honor its deal with Sony. That is all we have to say. Kutaragi leaves Nintendo bewildered. How could years of collaboration and goodwill just evaporate? Just what is going on? Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus... 
Get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana's diverse landscapes include dense timber forests and seafood-rich coastlines. And every step along the way, you'll find a business environment that's strong, diverse, and ripe with opportunity. Need proof? Louisiana is where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will soon put the first women on the moon. It's also where the port system delivers the most domestic cargo in the U.S. And Louisiana is home to the best workforce development program in the country. See what Louisiana economic development can do for you. Visit OpportunityLouisiana.com today. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. I'm David Brown. Today, video games are a $116 billion business. Adults and children alike play them. The graphics in video games can look as lifelike as a movie. Storylines can be as complex as novels. But at the dawn of the 1990s, that future was very far away. Back then, the industry was much smaller, the kid brother to the grown-up entertainment industries of film, music, and television. And the video games themselves? Well, back then, they were flat and two-dimensional. They had tinny computer-generated music and were rarely played beyond childhood. The 90s would change all that. By the end of the decade, video games had become three-dimensional with proper soundtracks and a majority of players were adults. And at the heart of that transformation was a fight between two companies, Nintendo, the toy company that grew into the ruler of the video game empire, and Sony, a consumer electronics company that saw a central place for itself in the gaming world. The war between these Japanese giants continues even today, but it was their first battle that mattered most. That battle was for the very soul of video games, a battle that would spawn the video game industry as we know it today. Our new six-part series follows the industry-defining clash between Nintendo and Sony, the behind-the-scenes maneuvers and the two competing visionaries who masterminded this battle. You're listening to Episode 1, Stabbed in the Back. It's June 1st, 1991, just two days after Kutaragi's baffling meeting at Nintendo's headquarters. The Chicago Consumer Electronics Show is underway, but Sony still has no idea what Nintendo is up to. Unsure of what to make of Nintendo's sudden change of mood, Sony sticks to the plan to unveil the PlayStation at its press conference. We at Sony are proud to announce today an exciting new partnership with Nintendo. Together we are developing a new games console, a games console that can play both CD-ROM and Nintendo cartridge games. We call it the PlayStation, and we believe it will usher in a new era for video gaming. From the back of the room, Kutaragi watches the Sony USA executive making the announcement. Kutaragi doesn't know how to feel 
He's both excited about the release of the PlayStation and anxious about how Nintendo is going to respond. At Nintendo's press conference the next morning, reporters are eager to hear more about this PlayStation. But Nintendo says nothing about its alliance with Sony or the PlayStation. Instead, Nintendo trumpets its new partnership with Philips. There's not even a mention of the PlayStation. Journalists demand to know why Nintendo has said nothing about the PlayStation. One Sony executive offers a blunt summary. We've been stabbed in the back by Nintendo. That's what happened here. It's less than 24 hours since Sony unveiled the PlayStation, and it looks like it's already dead. How could this have happened? For Kutaragi, this is a personal blow. The PlayStation is the kind of digital product he's been pushing Sony to do his entire adult working life. No, scratch that. It's the kind of product he's been dreaming of creating since he was a kid. It's the late 1960s in Tokyo, and a teenage Ken Kutaragi has just finished school for the day. But as usual, he's not heading home. Instead, he's going to his father's printing plant to help out with the family business. Today, he will spend the evening making deliveries to customers before finally getting home around 11 at night. It's like this every single day, and it's been this way for as long as Kutaragi can remember. His father needs his help. The printing plant has always been the kind of business that survives rather than thrives. It's the kind of business that puts a roof over a family's head and food in their bellies, but not a whole lot more. But that's okay with Ken Kutaragi. He likes being at the plant. On those rare occasions where there is downtime, the plant becomes something like his playground. It's a place where he can indulge his passion for electronics. He can build amplifiers and other devices in the workshop, and when he isn't tinkering with gadgets, Kutaragi reads everything he can about electronics and computing. Today, he's hoping to grab enough time to read the magazine he's bought. It's got a feature article about his favorite electronics company, a company called Sony. Kutaragi thinks Sony is amazing. I mean, here's a company that started as an electronics workshop in a fire-damaged Tokyo department store back in the late 1940s, built on little more than a belief in the ingenuity of its engineers. The company's faith in its engineers turned out to be well-placed. Sony is now a world leader in consumer electronics, with a state-of-the-art headquarters in the upmarket Ginza district to match. Its postmodern high-rise features an exterior wall that functions as one enormous TV screen. It looks like the future. Kutaragi thinks it looks magnificent, but it's the company inside, the corporate culture, that really impresses him. It's as modern as its headquarters, and certainly a welcome change from the stifling nepotism of traditional Japanese corporations. Sony is anti-establishment. It's creative. It's a place that trusts its engineering talent to create the products of tomorrow. Yet Kutaragi never dreams he could work there. In fact, he thinks his life is already mapped out. Once he finishes high school, he figures he'll join his father full-time at the printing plant. But when that day arrives, his father 
surprises him. Son, you're an adult now and you should get to forge your own path through life. You don't need to work here. This business ends with me. It's 1975, and now, freed from family obligation, Kutaragi knows exactly where he wants to go. There could be only one place. It has to be Sony. When he arrives at Sony, Kutaragi is thrilled with his first assignment. He's going to develop a flat-screen LCD television. Kutaragi can't help but share his excitement with one of his new colleagues. This is a fantastic project. It's a digital technology project, which is exactly what Sony needs to be doing more of. After all, the future is going to be digital, not analog. Listen to that. Digital, not analog? Well, the colleague stares at Kutaragi aghast and then leans closer to the fresh-faced recruit to offer some advice. Listen, you must never say that. Not at Sony. If you do, you will get transferred. It will ruin your career. Kutaragi is confused by this. Why wouldn't digital be the future? But he soon discovers that few people within Sony have anything good to say about digital technology. You see, Sony built its success on analog technology. Transistor radios, colored TVs, video cassette players. The benefits of digital are still mostly theoretical. Microprocessors are new, expensive, slow, and at this point, underpowered. But Kutaragi can't back down. It's just not in his nature. So he keeps banging the drum for a digital future, developing a reputation for being outspoken. For a while, his talents as an engineer protect him, but eventually the day his colleague warned him about arrives. One morning, his manager summons Kutaragi to his corner office. And that manager informs Kutaragi that he is going to be transferred to the video cassette recorder division. His new job will be to troubleshoot circuit designs. This is grunt work, far removed from the frontiers of digital technology research. It's a gut punch. And as Kutaragi gets up to leave, the manager throws in one final insult. Maybe there, Kutaragi, you will learn to keep quiet. Desperate to avoid his banishment, Kutaragi hunts down one of Sony's vice presidents and pleads for him to intervene. At the 11th hour, the vice president sides with Kutaragi and overrules the transfer. Kutaragi gets his wish. He's transferred instead to Sony's digital research department. It's a department he didn't even know existed, but it's the perfect home for him. Shortly after joining the Digital Research Department in 1984, Kutaragi gets introduced to one of its most advanced projects. It's a computer graphics workstation called the System G. Kutaragi watches its screen, transfixed. On the computer monitor is a realistic human face rendered as a three-dimensional object. Using the System G's controls, he can zoom in on the face or spin it around. It's like nothing he has ever seen before. You have to understand that computer graphics at this time are rather primitive, two-dimensional, built out of chunky pixels, like the games on the Nintendo Entertainment System he recently bought for his son. 
The games on Nintendo's console, Duck Hunt, Excite Bike, they look better than anything else on the market. Kutaragi's son loves it. But these System G graphics Kutaragi is watching, these graphics are light years ahead. Kutaragi's mind lights up with ideas. What if there was a video game console with graphics this good? A 3D graphics PlayStation instead of a 3D graphics workstation. Games with believable three-dimensional characters instead of cartoons that look like they were drawn on graph paper. Such a machine would surely make video games the entertainment choice of the future. It's an outlandish idea. The System G is a six-foot-high box filled with thousands of microprocessors, costing tens of thousands of dollars. But here's the thing. Kutaragi knows that one day, similar technology will be cheap enough to put in a home video game console. Kutaragi decides he has to prepare for that day. He must ensure that when the technology becomes cheap enough, Sony will be the company that gives the world its PlayStation. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. To lay the foundations for his imagined 3D graphics video game console, Kutaragi decides that he needs to build ties with Nintendo. That's Japan's number one video game company. But how? This is a question that hangs over Kutaragi until 1987, when he learns more about Sony's work on synthesized sound. And then, the answer hits him. The Nintendo Entertainment System sounds terrible. Whenever his son plays games, the music and noises Nintendo's console produces drive both him and his wife insane. All those plinks and plonks and blasts of white noise repeating over and over again. Sony's sound technology is just so much better. Figuring that by now Nintendo must be thinking about creating a successor to the Nintendo Entertainment System, Kutaragi arranges to meet with executives at Nintendo. He shows Nintendo what Sony's audio technology can do and suggests that the company hires Sony to create a sound chip for its next game console. Turns out Kutaragi's pitch 
works. Nintendo is won over and gives Sony the contract to develop a custom sound chip for its next console, the Super Nintendo. But many inside Sony headquarters are unhappy about this deal. They see video game consoles as nothing more than low-tech toys, the very antithesis of the quality consumer electronics that Sony has become famous for. But with a lucrative contract from Nintendo on the table, Kutaragi's deal gets the green light. With the sound chip deal in place, Kutaragi sets his sights on deepening Sony's links with Nintendo in a more ambitious project, a CD games console called the PlayStation. The PlayStation would be a hybrid machine, a Super Nintendo console with a built-in CD player for running games from compact disc. Those CD games would be the PlayStation's main attraction. With 40 times as much storage as a Nintendo game cartridge, PlayStation games could incorporate film footage of real-life actors and music recorded by actual musicians. No more pixelated heroes, no more computer-generated plinks and plonks. The partnership seems perfect. Sony, the co-inventors of the CD, have the technical wizardry, but they know nothing about games. Nintendo, meanwhile, knows everything about games, but they don't have Sony's engineering expertise. And so, on January 1st, 1989, Nintendo and Sony signed their deal to create the PlayStation together. But the first crack in the partnership appears when Sony doesn't want to share technical details for the sound chip they're designing for the Super Nintendo. Sony makes them pay an exorbitant fee for this technology. And then, Sony buys the Hollywood studio Columbia Pictures. This unnerves Nintendo. Sony no longer seems content to stick to making consumer electronics. It now wants to be a global entertainment giant, too. After reading the news about Sony's latest takeover, Nintendo president Hiroshi Yamachi starts questioning Sony's agenda. What if the PlayStation is just a ruse, a stepping stone towards Sony entering the video game business? Doubt creeps into Yamachi's mind. Has Nintendo just made a mistake getting into bed with Sony? Yamachi puts on his bronze-tinted glasses and looks back over the PlayStation contract and he hones in on one clause in particular, and in those words, he sees danger. The clause threatens the very core of Nintendo's business. Nintendo's huge profits depend on the company retaining a stranglehold on the right to manufacture games for its console. And now, Yamachi sees there's a clause that gives Sony the right to manufacture video games for the PlayStation. See, video game consoles work on the razor and blades business model, made famous by Gillette. The consoles are the razors, sold for little or no profit to build an audience. The real money, that's in the games, the high margin blades of the video game business. Nintendo makes a lot of money because of its monopoly on manufacturing the games, not the console. It charges video game publishers to manufacture their games, and then on top of that, takes a cut from every game they sell. If Sony is allowed to manufacture games for the PlayStation, well, Nintendo has surrendered control over the most profitable part of its business. Yamachi has allowed his company to swallow a poison pill. Yamachi cannot let this happen. He has to find a way to get Nintendo out of this contract. He needs to kill the PlayStation. 
May 1991, the Netherlands. Two of Nintendo's most senior executives arrived at the global headquarters of Philips in Eindhoven. They've been sent there to secure the agreement Hiroshi Yamachi intends to use to free Nintendo from its troublesome contract with Sony. Going home without a signed contract is not an option. It's less than a month until the PlayStation is due to be announced, and so a deal with Philips has to be done today. Philips is preparing to launch a games console of its own called the CDI. Philips knows that having Nintendo games on the CDI could mean the difference between success and failure. And here is what Nintendo actually offers. Philips will help Nintendo create a CD player for the Super Nintendo console. Nintendo will control the production of all games for that device. In return, Philips can build a device that allows CDI owners to play Super Nintendo CD games. Nintendo keeps control over the games. Philips gets Nintendo games on its console. Everybody's happy. And the cherry on top is that the agreement will also be a poke in the eye for Philips' arch-rival, Sony. A few hours later, Nintendo's executives leave Eindhoven with a signed contract. A month later, Yamachi uses Nintendo's new deal with Philips to torpedo the PlayStation's announcement and embarrass Sony at the Consumer Electronics Show. It's not without risk to Nintendo, because Nintendo still needs Sony to supply it with sound chips for the Super Nintendo. Now, if Sony cuts off Nintendo's supply of sound chips, Nintendo would have no choice but to stop production of the Super Nintendo, and that could cost Yamachi's company billions. Yamachi's gamble is that Sony will keep providing those sound chips despite the public humiliation. Now, everything hinges on how Sony reacts. In the wake of the Consumer Electronics Show debacle, Sony's leadership team assembles a crisis management team to respond to Nintendo's betrayal. The crisis team spends hours debating how to react to Yamachi's brazen breach of the usual etiquette of Japanese business relations. How dare they rip up the deal we signed with them? Who do they think they are? Another executive nods in agreement, and to do so publicly. This is not how business is done. If they were unhappy, why not talk with us in private instead of making us look like fools in front of the world? Sony considers suing Nintendo for a breach of contract but the PlayStation agreement is too ambiguous to make out a case. On top of that, Nintendo still claims it will honor the deal. How? By letting Sony make the PlayStation. But that's a worthless proposition if Nintendo won't make games for it. Next, the Crisis Team considers cutting off Nintendo's supply of Super Nintendo sound chips. But that would leave Sony on shaky legal ground. And it could also severely hurt Sony's reputation with other companies that buy its chips. And so, out of options, the crisis team decides to try talking to Nintendo. The hope is they can find a way to save the PlayStation through corporate diplomacy. But Yamachi has no interest in finding a solution. Eventually, in June 1992, after almost a year of fruitless negotiation, Sony finally gets the message. The crisis team reconvenes at Sony's headquarters to decide the fate of the company's ill-fated foray into video games.
Joining them is Sony president and part-time opera singer Norio Oga. Kutaragi is there too, and he's nervous. See, for eight years, he's been trying to make his PlayStation dream come true, and he knows it could all be snuffed out today. The mood in the room is somber. Almost everyone in the crisis team thinks that the PlayStation project has been an utter disaster. Executive after executive urges Oga to cancel Sony's deal with Nintendo and just walk away from this video game business. We need to put this mess behind us and forget about video games. Another chimes in. Games are toys. We never should have got involved in that industry in the first place. And then another. We could keep on trying to negotiate with Nintendo, but I don't see the point. We'll just be wasting more of our time. Eventually, Kutaragi gets his chance to speak. I agree. We should end the deal with Nintendo. He pauses for dramatic effect. We should cancel that contract and make the PlayStation ourselves. We could make a CD console with advanced three-dimensional graphics and then use that to take the video game business away from Nintendo. In fact, I've already been developing that console in secret. The 62-year-old Oga looks at Kutaragi. Secret projects? Advanced 3D graphics? Who does this guy think he is? Oga interrupts Kutaragi. What you are proposing cannot be done. It's impossible. The kind of microprocessor you would need for your plan is beyond what we can currently produce. Kutaragi speaks with assurance. He already has an answer for that. No, it's not. Me and my team already have the basic designs, and we are confident that such a microprocessor is possible. We can create a 3D graphics console. You must do this. You can't just sit back and let Nintendo get away with this. Well aware that this might be his last chance to save his PlayStation dream, Kutaragi goes for broke and keeps talking. Nintendo has humiliated us, humiliated you, Oga. You are the one who signed that contract with Yamachi. And look what he did. He threw it in your face. With the games console my team is building, we can beat Nintendo. We can get revenge. Are you just going to surrender? Rage boils up within Oga as Kutaragi keeps pushing and goading and prodding. Then, everybody in the room jumps as Oga's fist slams down on the table. We will not be backing down. We will make the PlayStation, and we will get our revenge on Nintendo. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. We certainly hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. Just tap or swipe over the cover art. You'll also see some offers from our sponsors, and we hope you'll support our show by supporting them. If you like what you've heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Another way to support us is by answering a short survey at wondery.com survey and tell us what business war stories you'd like to hear. A quick note about the conversations you've been hearing. We can't know exactly what was said, but this dialogue is based on our best research. I'm your host, David Brown. Tristan Donovan wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Produced by Emily Frost. Sound designed by Kyle Randall. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer-Beckman and Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez for Wondery.
Hi, I'm Brooke. And I'm Arisha. And we're the hosts of Even the Rich. So I want you to imagine you're about to go on stage and perform in front of 30,000 cheering fans. You pop a cough drop, take some deep breaths, tell yourself, you can do this. And that's when your brother steps into your dressing room. He tells you the police are here. Either you clean up your act or you'll get arrested. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But you just laugh and say, good, because the you in this story is Madonna. You're going to give the police a moment they'll never forget. Ooh, so what happens next? If you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the newest season of Even the Rich, The Making of Madonna. Follow on Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free.